everybody, yeah, rock your body, yeah, everybody, yeah, this is Baron Vaughn, and welcome to Deep Shit. Here is my experiment, guys. Piece of shit. I'm still happy with that title. Here is my first piece of shit, guys. A little miniature rant that I will do. A philosophical discourse with myself, struggling with my own demons for you right now, over microphone, into your ear holes, from the internet, brought to you by Al Gore. Anyway, this is piece of shit, and um, I don't even exactly know what I want to talk about it or how I want to talk about it. Um, first, I want to give a shout out to the city of Orlando, Florida. There was somebody I met, and I apologize that I forget your name, Alex or Anton. Or Angel, or maybe it was Angel, a guy who came to one of my shows who said he's a fan of the podcast. And I have to admit, I was not expecting any fans of this podcast or my stand-up or any of my doings in this world to exist in Orlando, Florida. But a couple people were there that uh, came on purpose to see me. You guys don't understand how much I struggle with this concept. I have fans. That's still crazy to me. Some of you are listening to this because you're a fan. And I can't feel it because my my following, if I have one, or whatever size you are or aren't, um, there's not enough of you yet. <laughs> there's not enough of you yet for me to feel comfortable about myself financially to be able to pay some of these bills and debts that I have. So it's harder for me, and this is something I've come back to a lot over and over and over again on this podcast. It's a repeating theme. It is harder for me to see that which I have achieved when I feel uh, I am crumbling under the weight of that which feels unsolvable. <laughs> That's an articulate way of putting it, I guess. Anyway, Angel from Orlando. Awesome. Thank you for coming to the show. Um, and he also told me I should be doing things like this where I just should do, do rants. I didn't, he probably hadn't heard the, uh, the, um, episode where I said I was going to start doing these little personal rants, little pieces of shit for you guys. Um, but here it is. Boom. Piece of shit. Also, there was a show I had in Orlando where uh, I asked of the audience if anyone there knew who I was or had heard of me and a couple people applauded again. I was not expecting that. So... There's got to be more of you. You guys, if you are a fan of mine and I am in a city near you and you come to see me and it's kind of weird, that's not my fault technically. <laughs> it's because there's not enough of you in the audience. So tell your friends. Spread the word about Baron Vaughn. Let's get grassroots on this bitch. I have no idea what it is I'm supposed to do to uh, separate myself from the pack. Not anything externally, at least. I don't know, like, what tweets I need to write or what posts I need to put on Facebook or places I need to check in on Foursquare. I don't know exactly what in those things I need to do to just make myself gigantic. I'm, I've been focused on uh, being good. <laughs> as stupid as that sounds. Um, but I struggle with it. I struggle with my marketing skills, my lack of marketing skills. I've never been good at self-promotion. I just haven't. Look how long it's been since I posted podcasts, guys. Can't get my shit together. It's mainly because I'm, like, right now, at least, as you know, struggling under the financial shit, blah, 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 stuff you've heard. And um, the last couple of months have been pilot season, and I've said that before as well. And I've just um, 
was spending a lot of time preparing for auditions and uh, not having enough time to prepare for as many auditions as I had. Then also not having a car and getting out of a relationship and doing shows. So it's kind of like there was a lot going on. And uh, I hate that as an excuse, but that's my excuse. I had a lot going on and I'm trying to figure out how to get money in my pocket next week. So anything that I do that doesn't immediately result in some sort of cash in my hands um, has kind of been put on the back burner, which is tragic because I, I've been thinking a lot more about focusing on my long-term projects, et cetera, et cetera, that I'm going to try to audition less in general and concentrate on writing and stand-up more. I have to carve out, because I don't schedule my days well, I have to actually schedule my free time or I will not have it. I will just have the times where I'm brain dead recovering from when I've been running around. Um, and you know what? I'm not trying to bitch. I'm not trying to say like, oh, my life is hard. I just uh, don't manage time well. That's all I'm trying to admit to you guys. I'm not like, wah, it's just so much is going on. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't know how to do it. I've never had the skill of managing time and different tasks and multitasking and all that shit. Not not like this, not to this level and not in the way that I need to do it. Like I can do it in personal relationships, but when it comes for my own shit that I have to get done in the short term and the long term and back and forth and it all connects, I just go like monsters and then I pull the covers over my head and wish it goes away. So that's an insight to how I deal with problems. But yeah, I've already come back to Orlando three times, but uh, oh, someone sent me money. Someone donated. I believe your name was Deborah. Thanks, Deborah, or Deborah, because that's how it was spelled. And that's my favorite spelling of any name, to be honest. I'm not just saying that because you sent me a donation. But Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H. I don't know what it is about that particular arrangement of letters that pleases my eyes and my soul every single time I see it. I'm like, Deborah, Deborah, oh, that's so many letters. And there's an H in there. Love to see an H at the end of the name, too. Wow, I get to call someone this combination of letters. That's how I feel when I see the name Deborah. <laughs> That's how I feel. Um, so anyway, I was thinking about this today. Um, I wrote a tweet. Yes, I'm talking about a tweet that I wrote. Um, that was something to the effect of um, most of us that were meant to be poets are in an age where we became comedians instead. Now, of course, it's a cheesy thought about comedy. I'm very romantic about comedy. I have been very romantic about comedy in the last month especially because um, it gets frustrating, obviously. Career gets frustrating. Comedy is not frustrating. All the industry external shit is hard, and it makes me makes my internal shit go haywire. But when it comes down to it, comedy in itself, I fucking love it. I love comedy. I love stand-up. I love sketch comedy. I love quirky-ass films and web series and all that shit. I love it. I love it. And speaking of which, I watched a couple of comedy specials that I, I want to highly recommend to you guys. Um, one of which is by um, ATC uh, alum. All Things Comedy alum Tom Segura. 
Tom Segura has a comedy special that is on Netflix. The name escapes me. But Tom Segura of Your Mom's House, which he does with his wife, Christina Pajitsky, is a great fucking comic. And I watched his special, and it's fantastic. Also, a really great special uh, by my friend Christian Finnegan. Christian Finnegan, who um, I used to know pretty well in New York. You know, we're distant acquaintances. Like, if we saw each other, we'd be familiar, and we'd be like, hey, you, hey, you. We could have a beer with each other and have a good conversation, but we're not, like, active friends where I text him funny ideas I have. <laughs> like, I'm not texting him at 1.30 in the morning, and I know he's going to be cool with it. That's not the relationship that Christian and I have. We have a good working acquaintance relationship, okay? It's a strong, solid one of those. Anyway, I watched his special. It was fucking great. It was fucking great, and I realized that I actually am pretty influenced by that guy. So I, I, I kind of learned how to open a set from watching Christian and my friend Mike Kaplan, who you've also heard on this podcast. They always had a disarming line, both of them. And I, I can't think of any other comedians that um, I know that do this, but these are the guys that I used to see do it all the time, and I, I lifted it from them into my own style. And uh, I mean, I'm assuming that they did the same thing, whoever influenced them, whether peers they were around, whatever. So that's me getting influenced by my peers, Mike Kaplan, Christian Finnegan. I, they would come up and they would always have some line right away. That was just gonna, it was always some joke on opening lines, just some simple line, like how you guys doing? And they somehow turned it into a joke. I think Christian used to have a, Hey, how you guys doing? And people go, Whoa, he'd be like, this is the only place where that's appropriate. Where I can answer, I can ask you a question and you can answer with woo, and we both know what that means. And then he, of course, gives a couple examples. Sir, do you understand the charges against you? Woo! Woo! I was like, that's always, that was so funny to me. Mike Kaplan has one of my favorite opening lines. Uh, thank you very much. How about another round of applause when I'm done? Come on. That's just a classic fucking joke, guys. That is a classic joke in the tradition of Richard Lewis and other Jews that I know. Um, I don't know Richard Lewis. I mean that I'm aware of, that I know as existing. But I watched Christian Finnegan's special. I believe it's called the the first part. Damn it. The last part. The second part. What, something, the, some, the something part. It's a number. It's a numerical part. The internumerical here part, I believe. Maybe it's the top part or the last part. Son of a bitch. This is Christian Finnegan's special. That's what I mean. Watch it. It was great. Same with Tom Segura. Anyway, back to my bullshit. Um, so the point is, is that I wrote that tweet. And uh, I was just thinking about like if I had the soul of a poet. Because poetry is not a job anymore. You know what I mean? Like you ask someone no one's making money off of poetry there's no that's not the poetry money's not out there just waiting you know what i mean i mean of course there are people now you know like spoken word poetry has become very popular in the last couple of years there are still writers that um like that skill of writing that like that that way of writing um a poem but it's a kind of a lost form in a lot of ways like the everyday person doesn't get poetry it doesn't read poetry you know, we're reading articles, we're reading, you know, slate posts, we're reading funny. I think like a lot of the entertainment that we have, these people would have been poets in, in past lives. I think people who have really clever tumblers or that create memes or street art, stand-up comics, I think that we were supposed to be poets, a lot of us. 
we're just like, well, we're not, in the, we're not in an era when we're not necessarily conscious of this idea. But it's like if we were 100 years ago and we were like, what am I going to do? We'd probably become a poet. But now it's just kind of like I got some interesting things to say about dicks. And we go on stage and do that instead because I, I'm attracted to comedians who are poets, I guess. This is the way that they use language and the things that they unveil. You know, I have the three posters up here in my my living room. Posters are paintings, actually, that I paid money for. Bill Cosby, Steve Martin, and Richard Pryor. And somebody asked me recently, and people, of course, ask me this, and maybe I put these these paintings here in my living room in plain sight so people would ask me this because I like my answer. Why are those the three people that are on my wall? Of course. Richard Pryor and Bill Cosby are the greatest of all time. In my personal opinion, they're two sides of a of a coin. Um, the way that I describe it, I say Bill Cosby, his his um, comment on race is that race is absolutely absent from his act. He knows you know he's a black man talking right now on the stage. That's what he's doing. He doesn't have to tell you he's black. You have eyes in your head. Um, well, unless you're, of course, a, a, a giant Bill Cosby fan that happens to be blind, then you don't. But otherwise, you're like, oh, black man. But he doesn't talk about it. He talks about family. He talks about childhood. He talk. He tells these amazing stories. He he's a he spins a yarn. It's the only way to describe it. Like he can spin a fucking yarn, and you just get wrapped up in the the sweater, the blanket <laughs> that Bill Cosby knits in front of your very eyes with storytelling. And then on the opposite end of that coin is uh, Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor, whose race was very present in his act because he's American, because he's a black man in America. And after he, of course, went to Berkeley, California, got involved in the counterculture there and, and developed the second Pryor voice because, of course, when he started out, he wanted to be Bill Cosby, which he says in his autobiography, I wanted to be Bill Cosby the first time he saw him. He's like, what is happening? This man's amazing. I want to be this. And for the first couple of years of Richard Pryor's career, he was just a Cosby copycat. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. I mean, that's kind of inspirational to me. Essentially, someone who is now considered one of the greatest comedians of all time started out as a straight-up copy of the other name on that list. He, he started out as a, just a fucking hack. Richard Pryor was a hack. He came out there and he did his Bill Cosby impersonation, his Bill Cosby-style jokes. It wasn't Richard Pryor. He wasn't doing himself. He was doing Richard Cosby, as he said himself. Then everything changed, and he found his own voice, and he went to this other place. But look at that. I mean, Richard Pryor himself started out as somebody that was like just doing a bunch of impersonations, and then he flipped it into something great. So... And then, of course, he was a solo poet, you know, so he was in turmoil. He was in struggle. He had a tumultuous childhood, and he kind of connected all that stuff to how America works, to what it is that we want out of life, eating and fucking and race. Pretty amazing. And then in the middle of the two of them, Steve Martin. Steve Martin, the the silliest fuck. <laughs> I think that was probably my first impression, my first impression of Steve Martin when I first saw him. I was like, what a silly fuck. Uh, I probably didn't even, I mean, it was something like that. I didn't probably know the word fuck yet, but I thought that is silly. What a silly frazzles, you know, whatever <laughs> word my brain wanted to make up when I was a young kid. But uh, he's a silly fuck. I love Steve Martin. And 
it's just it's just so wacky, inventive, but there's always a clear logic to his absurdism, you know. So it's like he never just was random. He didn't say random shit. There was always some leap in logic that he made that seemed random, but really was just he was just twisting something on its head and finding finding a connection and association that you wouldn't think of. The just the furthest it's an association that can be made, but you wouldn't have thought of it. And that's why it's not illogical, but it is silly. It's not the first place your mind goes. Um, and that's what I learned from Steve Martin, how to be absurd with some logic behind it and uh, and just be uh, just a wild and crazy guy the way he was on stage. Okay, this is, uh, this is a pretty good rant. I'm tying it all together. So the point is that uh, I wonder if I have the soul of a poet. That's why I'm so goddamn sensitive. <laughs> and, and, I, and like I said, I don't, I don't mean to sound like I'm like, oh, I'm a poet, like I'm bragging about that. Trust me, poets are shitty. I don't think it's good to be a poet at all, at all, because I can't get shit done. Are you kidding me? I have to fucking wake up and face myself with my own existence every day. Uh, gets in the way, gets in the way, gets in the fucking way. I wish I could just wake up and be like, well, I'm awake. Time to do some push-ups and take a shower. I wish that was the fucking first thing that came to my mind like a regular person. But no, I'm a fucking poet. I got to wake up and be like, oh, I'm awake. What is the concept of being? Oh, Jesus. Really? That's how I'm starting my day? I'm going to start my day with what is the concept of being? Well, just stay in fucking bed then, me. <laughs> no need to brush your teeth or wash your balls because you don't know what being is right now. That's how you started your fucking day. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm so annoyed at me being a poet. I'm controversial. Anyway, guys. So I just was wondering like what other kinds of natural souls there are because I feel like in a way I'm a poet, but I'm not in a time where I could be a poet. So I have taken that soul and turned it into something else and a lot of people have done that there are people who have the soul of a poet that that are copy machine repairmen there are people who have the soul of a poet that are fucking bartenders there are people who have the soul of a poet that are flight attendants there are people that have the soul of a poet that happen to be a senator right now so there are people that have the soul of a poet, but because of the time that we're in, you can't just go be a poet. So they do something else, but they always have a poet's soul while they do it. I think that's true about a warrior, right? Those are the two I've come up with so far. I'm thinking about some other ones. You got the soul of a poet. You got the soul of the warrior. You have the soul of the farmer. That was the, that was the one I thought of, the farmer. But then I thought of I was lumping the farmer with the builder, and they might be different. Because I'm thinking of the farmer as a person who creates, who, who brings organization to chaos, right? Because that's what farming is. It is organization. Who is it that said that? Like People say that like, oh, like a farmer is a person who works with the land. They love the land. No, they don't love the land. They're trying to make the land do what they want it to do. If we loved the land, we'd leave the fucking land alone. But no, I got to show the land who's boss and till this shit. That's what they're going to do. I'm going to till this, show you who's boss. Ground, grass, grow at my behest. Carrots, rutabagas, lettuce, potatoes. I decide how many of you survive. 
and how many of you die, what size you should be, what bright redness you should be. That's what a farmer is. They bring organization to giant chaos. Okay, so I was thinking that a farmer, in a way, because I was romanticizing it, thinking they create, they create, but they don't. They control. Builders create. Builders are the ones who make the buildings, right? They are the ones who say, maybe you should make the farm look like this. You know, they have a creative bone to their body, and they know how to make happen. So a builder thinks of a structure, thinks of an idea, and manifests it. And then a farmer can take what exists and control it to great effect. Okay? So I'm like, maybe the farmer and the builder are different. We have the soul of the poet, soul of the warrior, the soul of the farmer, the soul of a builder. Um... The wizard, not the wizard, let's say the elder, the soul of the elder, right? The old soul, that's that, that, that saying. I was going to say like a wise one, the wise, but the soul of the elder sounds like it's from a fantasy novel, so let's fucking go with that. Okay, so what was I saying? Soul of a poet, soul of the warrior, soul of the farmer, soul of the builder, soul of the elder. Now, who is the soul of the elder? The soul of the elder would be... The, good, the people who know how to make decisions, good decisions. They know how to read people. They know how, they know the difference between if you push one person to do something, what they'll actually do. And if you push a group of people to do something, what they'll actually do, right? Individual and group psychology. This is what the soul of the elder does. It's macroeconomics, I guess you could say, is making predictions of based on the behavior of the people, the behavior of this person, the way the land is is uh, being tilled, the things that are being created, the uh, ideas that are being discussed, and figuring out ways to navigate those things and make, if you will, society better. To make decisions, like I said, to advise, to be like, ah, I see the long game, I see the future based on history, and that's the soul of the elder. So, again, like any, all of these jobs, I mean, all of these souls have different jobs. There are people who are the soul of the elder that they, they gravitated towards being a doctor, and they have a soul of the elder. They gravitated towards uh, being a school teacher, and they have the soul of an elder. They became a preacher. They have the soul of an elder. They became... Um, a farmer, and they have the soul of an elder, right? So did I explain the warrior one yet? Well, obviously. I also think that there's there's gender qualifications for each of these. I think that if you're a soul of a poet, that you're it's it informs how you're going to act in whatever job that you're in because you kind of filter everything through being a poet, and that manifests itself maybe different for men and women, okay? I'm getting into gender shit. Sorry. Sorry, heteronormity, heteronormativity alert. Wah, wah, wah. Um, although maybe it doesn't necessarily apply to orientation or anything like that. But, um, and I thought of that because the soul of the warrior is, of course, the fighter. The, uh, it might be the worker as well, the warrior and the worker. They know how to get a task done. 
tell me what to do and I will do it. I will get my hands dirty. I will get into the trenches. I will stab. I will shoot. I will kill. I will build. You know, I'll, no, I'll weld, not build, but like weld. I'll, I'll mine the ore. I'll chop down the tree. The get it done personality. That's the warrior. And I thought of the gender differences between the warrior soul, if it's a man or a woman. And of course, like I said, heteronormativity alert. So the warrior man, of course, is aggressive. The warrior man wants to go out there and wants to punch someone in the fucking throat. Someone just told me the other day about how, oh no, it was Rob Hubel, not me. He told an audience and I happened to be there because I was on the show. I went to a uh, crash test over here at the UCB in Los Angeles. Rob Hubel and Paul Shear, who were both incredibly funny comedians, sketch writers, performers, and actors of themselves. Uh, they have a show called Crash Test at the UCB, which is uh, every other Monday at 11 o'clock. I don't forget. It's a it's an abnormal schedule, so you'd have to look it up. But Rob Hubel, I guess, got into some weird altercation at a restaurant. Him and his girlfriend were at a restaurant, and these fucking... UFC MMA kind of fighters guys with their girlfriends were at a different table and they were just agitating. They were just like like being loud and obnoxious because they wanted to start a fight. They wanted someone to get in their face because they have all these fucking MMA skills that they can't do anything with. That was kind of the point that Rob made a little later. He said that a friend of his told him that because they go to that gym. Uh, and they work out with these guys. They always overhear these guys saying that they're going to intentionally go get into fights. Intentionally go get into fights on a Friday or Saturday or Sunday night. Because they want to test out their fucking man destruction skills. Their destroyer skills. That's the warrior. That's the male warrior. Just wants to fight. Just aggressive. The female warrior is protective. Okay? Um... Again, it is heteronormative because I'm thinking about like, oh, the mother's nurturer, earth mother, bro, shit like that, right? So I'm thinking that the female uh, warrior is the, is the goes to war to protect those that they love. The male warrior just wants to go to war. He just wants to go to war. If he ends up uh, protecting people that he loves in the, in the meantime, well, that's just an added bonus. But a woman warrior wants to protect those that they love and make sure they are safe and they will fight to... Uh, to make sure that safety stays intact. Now, that's why it seems like I'm. It's not. I'm not saying the women aren't aggressive. It just seems that in general, in general, anecdotal evidence alert here that when women go to fight, it's for a fucking reason. It's for feeling betrayed. It's for feeling threatened. It's not just I'm going to fight the fight. Of course, I think that's the warrior spirit of a woman. Is protective. Now, that's not to say that there aren't women who are just aggressive assholes that are looking for a fight. I just don't think that their soul is that of a warrior because then they would be protective instead. Perhaps they have the soul of a poet, and that's why they're so goddamn aggressive because they're so angry and hurt all the time. They just want to punch somebody. Who knows? Anyway, that was a long piece of bullshit that I created. I hope you enjoyed. This is Deep Shit. She said, I don't want a model. I don't want a movie star. You don't have to win the lotto. Oh, 
You see, I always have these fucking big ideas, and I don't know what to do with them, except just tell them to my friends and uh, have a back and forward about them, which is really why I started this fucking uh, podcast in the first place, to be able to talk about ideas like this. This shit fascinates me. It's philosophy. It's it's everything. It's all connected. Am I right, bro? <laughs> uh, see, I have to make fun of myself. I can't just be like, it's all connected. I think things. I have to like undercut it at some point just so you guys don't take me too seriously or think that I take myself too seriously okay my mother always used to say I was going to be a sociopath and I guess I'm proving her right right now um she never said that um but anyway the point is is that um I am having a good time right now <laughs> that's the fucking point brosif no but I come up with these big concepts and I always want to put them in the joke form. You know what I mean? I always want to put them into uh, my act and try to figure out a way to discuss these things. But uh, that's me yawning. Um, the thing about these ideas is that I, I, I don't want to come off as preachy. I don't want to preach at an audience, you know, because I don't know what it is about um, uh, that I find annoying when I have people in the audience kind of shaking their head like, yeah, man, I, I feel you. Because then I do feel like a sociopath or a, um, have a, some sort of messianic complex. I'm just like, no, I want you to laugh. You know, I would like it if you laughed instead and put these ideas in your head. And I put my opinions out there because the greatest comedians of all time have done that. The thing is, I haven't earned the fan base to be able to do that. So when I put my opinions out there, I'm doing it to strangers who don't know me from Adam. So unfortunately, I'm interested in ideas and I'm interested in concepts and it's what I like to talk about and it's it's my way into everything. You know, when I, that's the way that I, I dig into a subject is from this fucking opinion, idea, philosophical bent. Uh, that's my go-to way of thinking of things. So it can uh, create difficulty when I'm on the road and an audience just want to hear some jokes or I don't know what they think jokes are. I don't know what they think bits are or stand-up comedy is or how a person's supposed to be on stage when they, that person's funny. But uh, I tend to not fit the mold, which is fine. I have the, a kind of act that I need a fan base for. The problem is, is that I don't have a fan base. <laughs> so it just falls on the deaf ears a lot of the time and, and confused ears and confused faces, um, which is what happened in Orlando. I mean, I had five shows, Thursday, two Friday, two Saturday. The two Saturday shows were great. Two Saturday, if you came to those two Saturday shows, you left going, that, that guy was funny. The Friday shows, however, if you came to the second for show on Friday, that was probably the audience I divided the most, and that's why I felt good about that show. Because I didn't kill, but I know people left being like, I gotta fucking stay tuned with this guy. I know they left going like, whoa, something happened here. See, he's saying and doing some interesting shit, and I kinda, I don't know how to feel about it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him another chance. I know people left thinking that. And I know some people left going like, fuck that forever. And that's fine. That's fine. Because the, the first show on Friday, everybody thought fuck that forever. And that was true of the uh, Thursday show. I got some laughs here and there. You know, like I asked anyone here ever heard of me. And some people revealed themselves in those shows. 
and I was surprised, but I didn't have good shows. I didn't feel good. I didn't feel happy about life and comedy after that. And then Friday night I did, and Saturday I did. And so it was interesting. But, you know, I, I kind of, like I said, I need a fan base for people to kind of get me, I guess. I don't know. I mean, we spend so much of this career as a comedian trying to convince strangers that you're funny. When you're no longer strange to them, the stakes change. It's a different expectation. It's a different a different back and forth you know what i mean when they they come with positive expectations and then it's just, they're yours to disappoint and that's different than um they they're you're 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 guilty until proven innocent in comedy you know uh i'm and i get exhausted by that i get exhausted by the lack of trust an audience can have where they don't know me from Adam. They don't know if I've been doing stand-up for 13 years or 13 seconds. So anything I say, they're just kind of worried if I go up there and I'm like, oh, guys, I don't really feel that good today. They think I mean it. They're like, oh, shit, this amateur doesn't feel good today. Ooh, I'm nervous now. I didn't ah, I didn't want to be here. And now I have an amateur comic on stage who is fucking already having a meltdown and they just walked up there. That's what they think. Because I, they, to them, I'm just some guy that's on stage with a microphone. But they don't know that I've been doing it for 13 years. And that might just be a fucking uh, setup to something. Because they're in that, while I'm getting to the setup and the joke, they're still like, oh, I'm so nervous. They're in that mindset when I actually say the joke and they missed it. And they're like, oh, no, he said, I think he said, oh, is that supposed to be funny? Oh, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> so it can be exhausting. But the point is, is that. I come up with big con- concepts, concepts. I come up with big concepts. Nobody says concepts, concepts. Wow, I hope nobody does. Um, I have a few concepts I want to run by you. What'd you say, John? You have a few what now? Just a couple ideas I want to run by you. No, no, no. What was the word that you said before? What word that I said before? Before you said you had a few ideas. You used a very specific word, and you said it in a very specific way when you first said what you said to me. I don't, I don't remember what I said. You, you don't remember what you said? You just said it. Yeah, I know I just said it, but I just can you can you just come into my office? I have some concepts I want to show you. There it is. There it is. Say that again. Say that again. Say what again? What you what you just said. What you just said. Uh, can you come into my office? I have a few concepts I want to show you. Concepts. Concepts is weird. You said concepts. Okay. I I guess that's how I say that word. That's fucking weird, man. Who are you right now? I'm a guy that wants to show you some stuff in my office if you just come in my goddamn office. Okay? This is, we're working. We're working. Why are you getting hung up on a word? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know why that's, those are the characters that decided to come to my head. Um, so anyway, Piece of Shit is going to be my little fucking forum now that I can, uh, I can say that conceptual philosophical bullshit and not turn it into dick jokes. I can just kind of Think it through. Say it. By the way, that whole soul of the poet, warrior, farmer, builder bullshit that I said, if you know of any literature or any world philosophies that are that are similar to that, already have those themes in it, please direct me to those things. Send me some emails or leave some comments on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Tell me, hey, I listened to that piece of shit and you uh, were discussing these concepts, these concepts. And um, I actually know of, of a couple of 
things that you should read or check out that you'd be interested in. Please, I'm not like I came up with this and my you know I want to know. I would like to know. So if you know those things, send them my way and I will definitely check them out and it'll because it'll make me smarter. It'll make me maybe understand these concepts a little better and then I can uh, 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 you know be more effective at my reportage, reportage. Um. So, anyways, uh, yeah, please do send donations <laughs> if you want to. Uh, before I took this big, long, weird break, I was getting like 3,000, 4,000 listens an episode, which, of course, I was like, is that enough to keep doing it? No, wah, I'm not making any money. Wah, I got to concentrate on money. Wah. But if I average 3,000, 4,000 listens an episode, um, fucking, and each of you sent me 10 bucks. That's like fucking, it's like 40,000 bucks. I could, I could use 40,000 bucks. 4,000 of you should send me 10 bucks. I have been thinking about starting a Kickstarter. Um, But the thing is that I need a kickstart on my life. Of course, that would be confusing to a lot of people because a lot of people are sure I'm doing so well and I'm so successful. But... I'd be like, hey, guys, I'm just I'm America. That's all I can say. I'm in horrible debt and I I drown under it and cannot I do not feel I'm going to get out of it ever unless I have a lump sum of money at one time or I could just pew, fire off each of these debts into the ground in one one go then I feel like I'd be able to get out of debt. Boom. College student loan, all done. Never in my life again. Boom. Credit card debt, all done. Never in my life again. Boom. Back taxes to the states of California, New York, and the federal government. Fucking done. Never again. Boom. Other weird-ass bills from my car I no longer have or uh, these people that I I accidentally rear-ended, kind of. It wasn't really my fault, but... But kind of was, but they are trying to get money from me for damage that they caused to the car in front of them. Shit like that that just keeps showing up. If I had one lump sum at one time, I could fucking do that shit. And I would feel just great. And whose lives have you saved today? Look, sure, there's a continent called Africa. Shit's going fucked there. Same in South America. Same in Asia. There's a lot of injustice and a lot of suffering in the world, and you should do your part to end those things. But how would you feel about ending my suffering and injustice in, like, one click of the button? Look, you're not—you are going to save my life. (laughs) I'm I'm not the worst thing in the world, but— you could save one person's life and you know and you know who it was because you're looking at this Kickstarter video of me right now asking for money. Save a life. <laughs> That's my impersonation of the video I would put up from the Kickstarter to get money to to get rid of all my debt. So yeah, if you go to the uh, All Things Comedy website and you click on the uh, Deep Shit podcast feed and you can uh, leave me a a donation over PayPal if you want, if you feel so fit. I would also be able to pay back my mom's big loan that she gave me to get my car out of Hawk a year ago. 
wow, I don't uh, see. I, and I, I try not to talk about this shit, but it just, it just permeates every fiber of my being right now. So anyway, guys, I'm going to go do some writing and have a show tonight. So thank you for listening. This is a piece of shit on deep shit. Thank you.